This was recorded live at the Redeemed Christian Church of God, the Throne Room Parish, Transcorp Hilton, Abuja. Be blessed as you listen. Principle for Personal Transformation, Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to teach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was teaching. This first message was, Repent, have a change of heart. Before now, the people think one way. They are the Pharisees leading them. They are different kind of prophet, different kind of men of God. The lo and behold, Jesus came to the scene. This first message was, Repent, have a change of heart because the kingdom of God is within your reach. What that word means at hand simply means you can handle it. You can't experience it. There's nothing you dream of that you cannot experience. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, just have a change of heart. Build capacity. As if you build capacity, you have a change of heart. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within your reach. You can you anything you can think. Anything the heart, the mind can conceive, the hand can deliver. That's what Jesus is saying here. So he was trying to make the people of his then world to have a change of heart. That they begins to see life from a different angle. And, and, and if you look at the message of Jesus Christ, it's the message that is saying to people that you have to live life intentionally. That was what Jesus was doing. Because if, if you see everything he did, he did intentionally. And he was telling these people, he said, you know what, you can't be very successful. You can't get to that place that God ordained for you. You can't accomplish all that God has for you. You can't draw into yourself everything God asks for you, except there is a change of mind. Except there is this 360 degree change. So that we begin to go from what we used to, to a place that we've ne- for some of us we have never been to. So I'm going to be talking, looking at Jesus Christ, talking about personal transformation, putting the responsibility back on us, not on the government, not on people around you, but putting the responsibility back on you because... You are the architect of your success. Trust me, you are the architect of your whole life. Your destiny is in your hands. It's what you write on it. You have a blank check from God the very day you are created. And so write anything. So in Agai chapter 1 verse 5 and 6, this is, let me read the King James Version. It says, now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I love that word. We're going to talk about that word, consider your ways, because we're talking about personal transformation. Consider your ways. Say, you have sown so much and bring little. You have eaten, but yet you, are not, you have not enough. You have drink, but you are not filled with drink. You have clothed yourself, or you, are cl- you clothe you, but there is none that is warm, and you earn wages and earn wages to put in a bags with holes. So Agai was telling his people in that then age also, he says, you know what, there is, there is I mean, if, if I'm going to paraphrase what Agai is saying, it's almost mirroring what Jesus said, that we should repent. He says, consider your ways. What, what does it mean to consider your ways? What Agai was saying is that you have, you have so much money, but you have no impact. That's what the guy is saying. He says, you have so much, you don't have impact. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You make effort, but without result. So he's saying, consider your ways. Think about this. Have a change of heart. You cannot, we cannot continue. I'm telling you, in this great nation that we live in, 
What we need in this nation is not a national revival, it's a personal transformation and a personal revival. Amen. Because in each one of us, we have greatness in us lying down crying, saying, can you please expose me to my world so that I can manifest the very glory of God. Can I hear loud amen, church? Can I hear loud amen? You must understand this. A guy did not say consider the devil. He didn't say consider. He says you consider your way. He didn't say consider the devil. Because guess what? The devil can only take control of your life if you give him access. So he didn't say consider the devil. He says consider your ways. The manifestation of satanic work in your life is just a, a function of you giving access to him. Either through what we believe or through what we do as human beings. We give the devil access to our life. Amen. Amen. So what is Agai really saying because of my time? Two things he's saying. He says, what does it mean to consider your way? If you're right, taking note. It means to have self-awareness. This is key if we're going to have personal revival. Now, what I'm saying here is that where you are, you have not actually scratched the marks of your life. I'm just challenging you to say that where you are right now is great, but there's something better, bigger, mightier that God has set before you. And so he's saying, be self-aware. What does it mean to be self-aware? It means to know where you are. He was telling them, he says, be self-aware. Because there's no way you can have a personal transformation without self-awareness. So when he says, consider your way, he says, go back and find out where you are. There's no way anyone can help you. Heaven can't help you. Not until you are able to figure where you are. Because every time God calls out on a man, he will ask you, where are you? Adam, where are you? Because it is the place that you are in now that will determine your ability to locate where you are as a person. Not where people kept you, but where are you? Not what people say about you, but where are you? What is that thing inside of you? So he's saying, self-awareness. Be aware. Be aware be, have that self-awareness. Where am I? Be real. Forget about the suit we're putting on. Forget about the makeup. Forget about everything that people have come to know you. Where are you? That's what he's asking. There's no way you can have a transformation in life without being transparent in your heart. Every transformation starts with nakedness. You must be true to yourself and be true to God if you're going to be truly transformed. One of the things, I'm sorry, I love this great nation, but one of the things I've come to see in this nation, I've come to see people putting on marks, great marks, all over the place. A feasy. And guess what? If you have that, you cannot be, you cannot get to your destination because you are living in, false, in falsehood. So every, every personal transformation must begin with your, your self-awareness. Where are you? Forget about what people think about you. It doesn't really count. Guess what? It doesn't really count. You know it. I know it. They may look at me and say, this guy is a great guy. This guy is a loving guy. But guess what? It is actually what I think of me. That matters. And for many of us, our self-esteem is so low. And the reason why it's so low, the reason why I know it's so low is that we carry fig tree. We carry fig leaves. We put on the fig leaves to cover the nakedness that would have allowed God himself to kill, to do what he does better. So, Edgar says, be aware of where you are. Number two thing he talks about is self-examination. And what am I talking about in self-examination? It means judge what you are doing. Judge what you are doing. Where are you? Or what are the things you are doing in your life? What, is, what are your activities? If you are going to make it in life, you must constantly evaluate where you are. Don't just live life. 
without checking on where am I? What am I doing? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What do I need to change in life? Those are key. If we're going to have personal transformation, guess what? There are, some, there are few things that the Holy Spirit will not do for you. These things I'm talking about, he won't do it for you. But it's your, it's your transparency to the Holy Spirit. Answering these two questions that he begins to minister to you and begins to walk inside of us. Amen. 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 Guess what? This is the difference between we and animals. Animals don't have self-examination. They don't examine themselves. So if you are living as a human being and you're not examining yourself, knowing where you are and what, are you, what you're doing and how what you're doing is produ- if it's producing, if it's not producing, kill it. If it's not producing results, stop it. Don't keep beating the dead horse. Bury the dead horse. If the horse is dead, bury the dead horse. If it's not working, bury it. Move on with your life. Have self-examination. Examine yourself. Know where you are. Amen. This is, let me read this quote from John Maxwell. He said, it is easy to go from failure to success, but more difficult to go from excuse to success. I have never seen anyone that gives excuse and succeed. But I've seen so many people fail and succeed because success is actually in the womb of failure. Great people that f- succeed in life, they first fail in life. Because failure is not final. It's not, it just tells you what not to do next time. So a guy says, consider your way. And I love this quote. I just saw this quote yesterday in preparing for this message. It's actually from um, Colin Powell. He says, there is no secret to success. It is a result of preparation, capacity building. There's no secret to success. There's no secret to success. Forget about people trying to mystify success. Oh, one of the angels came to me. No, there's no secret to it. But the secret to success is this simple. Preparation, ability to build capacity. Number two, hard work. Hard work don't kill. That's what your pastor is teaching us right now. Hard work don't kill. You cannot place, you cannot replace hard work for the Holy Spirit. It does not work. He's the helper. Now, the helper comes to help you. If there's nothing to help in your life, the Holy Ghost can do nothing. He's the helper. If I'm going to carry these things, I say, please come and help me. Right? You will not come if there's nothing that I'm lifting. So hard work don't kill. Preparation don't kill. You cannot excuse preparation, hard work, and learning and ever learning for, in the place of the for the, for the place of the Holy Spirit. And that is where we've seen most of ourselves, most especially those of us in church. We say, no, we can't work out. We're just going to fast all the day. Fasting without hard work will not. Hard work don't kill. I've never seen one receive certificate because they are lazy. Laziness will lead to frustration. So the guy says, uh, there is no secret to success. But success is the result of preparation, capacity building, hard work, learning from your failure. That's how you build success. There are three major facts that actually shape our lives or destiny. I'm going to blast this one. Number one, that the DNA from our parents forms our personality, our character. Number two, our upbringing and our experience, our worldview. And our th- shapes our thinking pattern. And number three, our environment. I'm going to talk about three key things that we, I'm going to be done here. In Matthew, in Luke chapter 15, because of our time, I'm just going to try and read through, but we know the story. It's the story of the prodigal son. I'm going to take my, bulk the rest part of my message on 
from the prodigal son. We know the story. This guy was, there's this man that has two sons. And one of them is younger. Of course, one of them will be younger if he has two sons. Except they're twins. Even when they're twins, one is still going to be younger. One will have to come first. So, and the younger one came to the dad and says, you know what? That's Luke chapter 15. And says, Dad, you know what? I, I need to go. I don't really like your leadership anymore. I don't really like the way you're ruling this house. I think I, I, think I know better. I, I need to go. Can you just give me what belongs to me? Give me my inheritance so that I can go. And so the dad gave him his inheritance and he walked away. I'm talking about that story. I'm going to draw three things. I'm going to read scripture. I will draw three things about this guy. Most of us are in this place. Every human being sees themselves. I can see myself in that story. So I want to draw three things that affect us on a constant, on a regular basis that sometimes we don't pay attention to, but they're just, we're just behaving like the prodigal son. Amen. So Luke chapter 15 verse number 12, 17. And when he came to himself, underline that word, when he comes to himself, he says, how many of my hired, how many of the hired servants of my father have bread enough to, and, and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Verse 18, he says that I will arise, underline that word, I will arise, and go to my father's house, and say unto him, Father, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned before you. I am no longer worthy. Well, underline that word, I am no longer worthy. We'll talk about this, this key point. I'm just um, have, asking you to underline. If you have your Bible, if that Bible belongs to you, underline it. Nine, 19, he said, I am no longer worthy. I'm no, I'm no more worthy to be your son, but make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came. Underline that word, he arose. He arose and came to his father. And when he he was yet great far away. He says, you are going fast, I'm father. I don't care where you are. The father will see you from a far distance. But we need to do something that this man did. That made the father to see him from a very far distance. I don't care where you are. If you're really, really in the right path, the father will locate you. Because the father is waiting for you to bless you. Our father is a good father. The Bible says the father saw him from far off. Why? Because it was... When he was eating with the pig, the father never saw him. It was when he aligned himself to purpose, taking personal responsibility. There are key things he did. Let's, let's just jump to what this guy did. Number one, he had imagined. He says he thought and came to himself. He had a self, self-awareness. He, what, am I, what am I doing here? I'm better than this. What's going on in my life? I'm super better than this. If you don't have that self-awareness, there can never be any transformation in your life. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how surrounded you are with good things. If you are not aware of your present location, there's no way anyone can help you. So the Bible says it came to his, his senses and says, what am I doing here? I don't know for how long he's been there. Feeding pigs. A Jewish boy feeding pigs, disconnected from his father, disconnected from goodness. He still carries his father's DNA, but yet he's disconnected. He still answer and bear that name Christian, and yet he's still disconnected. He's not yet disowned by his father. He still have a father, and yet disconnected feeding pigs. So the first thing he did was imagination. He imagined where, what, what am I doing here? And imagination, our imagination is key to our transformation because our imagination is the ability to see beyond your present state for a better tomorrow. And this is one key God gift to mankind. The ability 
to imagine. And I'll tell you the truth. This is one area, human beings. And I've, I've, if you watch most of my message, I talk about this. This is one key area we miss it. You God cannot bless you beyond what you can see. Because perception is the breeding ground for every breakthrough and miracle. Perception. What you see. Perception, in fact, is the bedrock for faith. Your faith is based on your perception. It is what you see. The Bible says, when she had, then she perceived. She was able to. The hearing actually goes to the mind and the mind begins to interpret the information and says, you know what? This guy is going to hear me. You know the story of the, the woman with the issue of blood. Am, am I making any sense here? Am I communicating? Okay. Number two. Number two thing we saw about this guy is that he had conscience. Number three, he had independent will. I'm going to bring this out from our scripture. He had what? Imagination. He was able to put his imagination to work. He says, in my father's house. Imagination is our ability to see beyond today for a better tomorrow. So, in my father's house, right now I'm with, I'm with the pigs. But in my father's house, even the hired servants have enough bread to eat and have enough. So, he was able to put to where are you right now in life? Are you living in your present or you are creating a better future by the art of imagination? The ability to see. And guess what? You cannot properly imagine except first you build capacity. And that's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what the Bible also says that a man is as a result of his thinking. As a man thinketh, so this man is. So your perception is going to be based on your knowledge of God when you are in this kingdom. But if you don't have the proper lens, you don't have the proper view of who God is. If you're not seeing God from a right lens, your perception will be bad. You will think you are a failure. I've seen a lot of Christians, they, don't be, they never believe that they're going to make it in life. It doesn't take God anything to transform your life. But what God is looking for is God is looking for capacity. And that's one key thing that we're missing. The scripture will record in Isaiah chapter 54 when God, God says, Rejoice, O barren, and you that have not given birth, rejoice. Why would God tell a barren person to rejoice? The reason why God is telling the barren person to rejoice is that that, barrenness, that person that is barren is actually barren in the eyes of men and is barren for the present day, but the future is greater. So it says, Rejoice. Rejoice. And when God, in verse 2, God begins to tell the barren what he needs to do to get out of this barrenness. God begins to tell the barren what he needs to do to have a, a personal transformation. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. He didn't say, enlarge your tent. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge your, the capacity of your imagination. Think, think about it. If we're going to fit this whole building in a one plot, is it going to fit? Say, for instance, God says, I'm going to give you this building as big as this place is. God says, I'm going to give you this building. And what you did was, you just decided to buy one plot. Will God give you this building? No. So it's not that God does not want to bless you. He's saying enlarge the capacity of your mind. Not just thinking good things. I mean, ability to engage the mind. Ability to study. Ability to uh, 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 stretch yourself. It says, look at what it says. It says, it says enlarge can you give me that scripture again? Enlarge the place of your chain. Then look at what it says. The next thing it says, it says stretch forth. What that simply means is that do what you cannot do. Do what you are afraid of doing. Stretch. 
I have never seen a woman bring a child to life without the tummy stretching. Go ask that lady who tell you someone is kicking her in the womb. Because there's life there. If you are going to just sit down and wait for manna to fall from heaven, you're going to wait for a long time. God says, stretch your imaginations. Begin to do the things you don't think you can do. That is where God is. God is not in that little thing you are trying to box him. God says, I want to do better things. I want to do greater things. But I want you to stretch your imaginations. And the next thing we saw this guy do is that he had an independent will. The ability to think. He was able to figure out where his thoughts are actually coming from. Every miracle and transformation begins with our perception. Your perception is the product of your thought process. Your thinking pattern. As a man thinketh in his heart, so the man is. And I took, I got a definition of perception. It's the ability. Perception is what determines your size, the size of your faith. It's also what determines what God is going to do in your life. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. There are two key things that is necessary for every transformation. The pastor was sharing, me, sharing with me this same scripture yesterday. Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 12. Talks about how powerful the word of God is. Having the ability to, 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 to separate between the soul and the spirit. When we begin to give ourselves to the very word of God to walk in us. And there are two things that actually... I can draw out for personal transformation. Number one is your intention. We shall have time to talk about all this. This morning as I was preparing, getting ready for a brother or wife to pick me up, I was just writing something in my iPad and go, this will just drop something for me. It's dropped something in me. If you live life unintentionally, you are devaluing your life. Intention is you saying, you know what, I'm living life with value. Think about it. How will you feel if someone just comes and says, well, is there anything around there? Take. Unintentional. If someone gives me things just, just like that, I don't really value it. But the moment you prepare a thing for me, it tells me the value you have in me. Am I making any sense here? So intention is a bedrock for our value system. If we don't live in life intentional, we're just not living life. We're not valuing our life. And there's so many of us Children of God, church folks, we don't value our life because we don't live intentional. We just live, we just allow life to happen to us. So intention is very key. So God says in Hebrews chapter 4, it says that what, what this word of God does is separates the spirit from the soul. So our, our intention is actually where we have our soul, is the, our, our, our mind doing things intentionally. It has nothing to do with the spirit. It just has to do everything to do with our soul, our mind, our ability to live intentionally. That is to say that you don't just live life, you do things with purpose. And purpose is the leader of every life. Any life that it doesn't have purpose as its leader will end up being destroyed or will not actually fulfill purpose. Because purpose as a leader has it is as intention as his worker, as his key worker and his manager. I don't know if I'm making any sense here. 
So if, if we're going to really, really transform our lives, we start by living life intentional. Intentionally. I have never seen, the Bible says, see a man that is diligent, he shall sit before kings. What makes him diligent is his ability to live life intentionally. It's not allowing life to do him. It's not allowing life to happen to him, but he chooses to do life. It's two different things. Allowing faith to happen to you, F-A-T-E, to happen to you, than you doing life, detecting for life what I want life to give to me. I've always said here, life will never give you what you wish for, but life will always give you what you place a demand on. That is living by intentions. Why are you here? Why are you living? What is your life all about? What is your life all about? Are you just one of the numbers? Ask yourself that question. Let's not spiritualize this question. Who am I? What am I created to do? Is it all of life? If this is all of life, life is just misery. But God never intended to be so. Because he wants us to live life intentionally. And what does it mean to live life intentionally? Everything you do. You ask yourself the question, how does this thing I'm doing add to the add value to my life? That's how to begin transformation. There's never anything our master Jesus did without adding value to him. He narrows down back to what God has sent him to do. So he lives intentionally. And look at the early church, they live intentionally. Check anyone that will be successful or anyone that is successful today. They live their life intentionally. They don't just go to places because people are going to place. They ask themselves the question. They are self-aware of where they are. They, are, they self-examine themselves if they're going to go, if they're going to really make impact in their own life first. We must live intentional on the next thing. And what does it mean? The next thing is our response. Two key things we saw in intentions are the things you do. And as I close, not all that I inform gets transformed. Not everyone informed gets transformed. Between transformation, between information and transformation is application. It is the doers that gets transformed. Not information. It is doers that gets transformed. So application is the ultimate proof of knowledge. Faith is the platform for exhibiting God's word. Faith is the platform for exhibiting God's promise. So if you take faith out of it, the promises of God are just wasted. So it is what you do. Faith is doing. Now, faith is the ability to do. Believe, hope is, you hope. Faith is the doing. What makes faith differ from hope is the doing in faith. It takes action. So let's look at this, guys, as we close. There are three things. Life is lived in two phases. The things you can control and the things you cannot control. I just pray God, as I wrap this message up, God would speak to someone here. This is, the, this is what I, where I think God wants to do work in us. In life, there are, we are living life in two phases. There are things I can control and there are things I cannot control. As I talked about the story of this guy, the prodigal son. In the life of this prodigal son, the things we saw him do, we saw three things he had control over. Amen? 
He has control over his thoughts. You have control over what you think. If you're going to be transformed, it starts there. He has control over his intentions. Amen. He didn't take him much. He just says, ah, in my father's house, the servant, I am having a lot of bread to eat. He has control over that. He can control what he thinks. You as, as well as you can control what you think. The next thing he had control over is response. Remember in verse 17, he says, in my father's house, then verse 18, he says, I will go, I will arise. Those, he had control over response. I'm going to try and narrow it down. So in life, you have control over what you think. You have control over what you, the way you respond to people. You have all, it's all in your power. Nobody controls that you. He also had control over, where is that now? Over what he wants to do. But the thing is, there are things that he has no control over. Number one, he had control over his actions, over his response, and over his thinking. Number two, so the things he had no control over, and that's why I want to end this message. He had no control over the reaction of his father. In life, there are things you have control over. Why people fail is that they bog themselves over what they have no control over. They spend better part of their life or their day thinking about what you have no control over. Am I, I don't know. If you are going to really have real transformation of mind, you must control what you can control. What you can control is that I can make myself better. I don't care what, how the guy is going to treat me if I'm talking about my husband or wife. I don't care how my wife is going to respond to me. I don't care how people are going to respond to me. I don't care how that guy is going to respond to me. What I have control is my thoughts. What I have control is my action. What I have control over is what I can do. And I'm going to respond to these guys. Those are things I have control over. And if I master, my, if I master what I have control over, and leave the things I don't have control over in the hands of the Almighty God. You begin to see you are doing life very well. You are doing life fulfilling purpose. Guess what? Because life will begin to happen to you because you left what belongs to God to God and you did what belongs to you and you took care of what belongs to you. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? So what did this guy do? He says, you know what? I don't have control over what my father would do. And God is a good God. I don't... I have control of what I'm thinking. I have control of my response. I have control of my actions. What my, the way my father will treat me, I have no control. But I will arise. I will take a shot to lie. I'm not going to remain here. I'm going to do lie. I don't care what, how, what will happen in that business. I'm just going to go for it. I'm not going to allow the fear to paralyze me. I'm just going to go for it. I have no control what will happen, but I have control to make sure my life is actually on the platter of gold for success. He had no control what the father was going to do. You know what he says? He says, I'm going to just say to him, make me like one of your higher servants. But because he had to took control of the things he had to take control of. When the God that the father says, no, I'm not going to make you a higher servant. Can I say to you, that thing you are afraid of is just waiting for you to make to make it happen. I pray the Lord will help you to focus on what you have control over. Begins to think of yourself highly. Begins to think of yourself as a doer. Forget about what how people react to you. 
Because we have concerned ourselves about what people will do, what people are thinking. And if you look, it paralyzes anyone from succeeding. I've seen, I've heard, I've read a lot of bio. I have never seen anyone successful thinking about what people think about them. Never seen anyone successful concerning themselves about what people think. Because guess what? They have no control over it. People have their mouth. Let them say what they want to say. I will think. I have the right to think the way I want to think. I have the right to behave the way I want to behave. I have the right to, to improve myself the way I want to improve myself. The Lord bless you. Thank you very much. We believe you have been blessed. To download, please visit our podcast at The Throne Room on your handheld device or computer. For any inquiries, call 08087-000004 or visit the Life Center at number 20 Colorado Close off Dame Street, Maitama Abuja. You can also visit our website, www.rccgthroneroom.org. You are highly lifted, highly favored. Highly favored.